May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Almost every day now, I get an email from the Boston Globe or a notification on my phone from the New York Times, or I see a sentence of text scrolling along the bottom of a television screen with the heart-palpitating promise, breaking news. Sometimes, of course, these stories really are breaking news, and sometimes they're more or less exactly what you'd expect. These days, I find that the breaking news has become a little repetitive and more on the predictable end. Breaking news. Even more Democrats are running for president. <laughs> These announcements all have a certain pattern. You go traditionally to your old hometown and you stand in front of your church or town hall, or depending on the era, you go on the late show, and you give a quick speech. You try and hit three points. Number one, who are you? Number two, what are you running in order to do? And number three, why? Sometimes you can boil this down into a really pithy statement. I thought Kirsten Gillibrand's was the shortest one. As a young mom, I'm going to fight for your children as hard as I would fight for my own. All three points right there. Still, nobody can match Jesus when it comes to pith. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. End of sermon. <laughs> it's not bad. Jesus' sermon in this gospel today does look a lot like a presidential campaign announcement. After his baptism, he's gone out for 40 days of soul-searching in the desert, and then he returns to his old hometown, he goes to the synagogue, and he gives a sermon. Like any campaign announcement, he hits those same three points. Who are you? The Messiah, the one whom God has anointed with the royal authority to proclaim such a program of change and whom God has filled with the power of the prophetic spirit to make it happen. What's your platform? To bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send away the oppressed in release. And why those things in particular? Because this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is sometimes called Jesus' Nazareth Manifesto. With this speech, he begins his public ministry. He sets the tone for the year of service ahead. It's mostly pretty clear, and its special concern for the poor and the oppressed are characteristic of the way that Luke talks about Jesus and his ministry. But I do want to say a word or two about the year of the Lord's favor, which I think will make it even clearer what Jesus is doing when he announces his ministry campaign this way. Every seventh day in the Jewish calendar, you probably know, is a Sabbath day, a day of rest to spend time with God and with family and to hold back from work. Every seventh year, according to the laws laid out in the Torah, was supposed to be a Sabbath year. The land would lie fallow and debts would be released. And then every seventh Sabbath year, every Sabbath of Sabbaths, was called the Jubilee, a kind of mega sabbatical. When uh, uh, debt was released, slaves were freed, and land was returned to its original owners. You see, the theme of all these changes was release or forgiveness. Israelites who had fallen into a kind of debt slavery, being forced to work off the money they owed to another member of the community, had their debt forgiven and they were freed from that slavery. Families who'd had to sell the family farm because of famine or economic hardship 
had their land returned to them. In a sense, every 50 years, the slate was wiped clean, and in an agrarian society where mostly people made their livelihoods by subsistence farming, growing what they needed on their own land, this served to reduce inequality. A periodic jubilee year would keep large landowners from gobbling up too many small farms. If somebody fell on hard times, they would know that eventually their family's fortunes would be restored. You can see then why the year of the Lord's favor would be good news for the poor. Now, it's debated whether historically a jubilee year ever actually happened. There are no records saying, yep, this year's a jubilee year, get ready. But by invoking this ancient tradition, Jesus is doing something very similar to what modern politicians do when they call on the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. He's asking his people to return to their best values, to return to their founding document. He's putting an aspirational vision before them and then inviting them to work with him to make it a reality. Jesus might have taken as his prototype today's reading from Nehemiah. The Jewish people in this story have just returned to rebuild their homeland after their exile in Babylon, and they're led by Nehemiah the governor and by Ezra their priest and scribe. And Ezra inaugurates their new life together by reading to them from the law. The atmosphere is something like a political rally by a great order, an Obama or a Trump. The people weep in joy and sadness, in joy for their return home and for the beauty of the law, the beauty of this vision of society that God has laid out for them. But they weep in sadness at how far they have to go to rebuild their homeland into the place that God is calling them to be. And here's where the presidential campaign announcement analogy starts to break down. We live in a democratic republic. When a candidate announces their campaign or a president gives their inaugural speech, they're really asking the rest of the country to go along with the vision that they're describing, and it's conditional on a majority in the House and 60 votes in the Senate. But ancient Israel was not a democracy. Ezra and Jesus were not presidents. Ezra, in fact, had a mandate from the Persian emperor to go ahead and enact the Jewish law. Simply by reading it aloud, he made it a new reality for his people. Jesus' words were powerful too. If this man was really the Messiah, the anointed one, as he says, if he was really filled with the power of the Spirit, then his proclamation of release and forgiveness really brought about that release and forgiveness. Those debts really were forgiven. Those prisoners really were free. If the Messiah says, today this scripture has been fulfilled, it's like if the queen says, I dub thee sir whoever, you become a knight. The scripture is fulfilled. Well, so what? I don't mean that to sound flippant. I mean it seriously. Maybe Jesus' words really released captives. Maybe Jesus' words really liberated the oppressed. Maybe they really forgave our debts. But this doesn't seem to be true. Whatever Jesus said, we still have millions of people in this country and around the world held in captivity. We still have millions of people in this world who are oppressed. And my credit card company, believe it or not, still does want to collect its debts. Today, Jesus says, this scripture has been fulfilled. So what? Well, I want to suggest to you that Jesus' Nazareth Manifesto, this proclamation of freedom and liberation, is a little less like the 13th Amendment and a little more like the Emancipation Proclamation. I hope you need me to explain that one. 
The first thing that I learned in school about the Emancipation Proclamation was that on January 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. The second thing, which took about 10 more years of schooling for them to teach me, was that it only applied in Confederate-held territory. It didn't free the slaves in the slave states that hadn't rebelled, like Maryland or Kentucky. It didn't free the slaves in rebelling states that were held by the Union Army, like Louisiana. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, but at the moment that he signed that Emancipation Proclamation, not a single slave actually became free. They had to wait either to escape into the North or for the Union Army to come to them. And if you were in the North and enslaved, you had to wait for the 13th Amendment to make you a citizen. And yet, despite all of the historical details of that, the Emancipation Proclamation did in what might be a truer and more real sense, really proclaim them to be free. So it is with Jesus' words today. From the Christian perspective, we are living in rebel territory. I don't know if you've noticed, but our world doesn't run on Jesus' laws of unconditional love of God and neighbor. Our country isn't governed in accordance with these Christian values. The actual liberation is still to come, and it's partly up to us. We are the ones who forgive one another our debts. We're the ones who release one another from our sins. It's up to us to carry out the vision of society that Ezra puts forth. It's up to us to take the example of our first reading this morning, and after we bow our heads and worship the Lord, to send portions of what we have to those for whom nothing is prepared, to the other members of the body that Paul describes. So pretend with me for a moment that the Christian faith is true, or just live your life because you believe it. Pretend that the resurrection really happened. If Jesus is alive, if he becomes present to us every Sunday as we gather here in worship to hear the word and to receive the sacrament, then his promise of the Jubilee is real. If Jesus is alive, then the year of the Lord's favor wasn't limited to the one year of Jesus' ministry on earth. Today, he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled. This year is a year of jubilee. What would your life look like if that were true? Imagine how you might live if all your debts, all the shame and guilt and pain of the past had been released. Imagine how you might be forced to live if all your debtors had been released too, all the people who have hurt you or forgotten you or let you down. Imagine how you might live if everything that you had, if all your fortunes for good or for ill would be erased with the passing of a couple generations. Imagine how you might live, in other words, if Jesus came to this church today and gave his campaign announcement I wonder if we all might live a little more in that world. Because today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen.